Welcome back to the Good Dude Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Thomas. And this week, I'm talking to some really funny and interesting individuals uh, that are stationed here with me in Kenya. And we got to talking about a ton of things. It's a pretty long episode, but it's definitely worth it. I apologize for the quality. We were outside. There was a lot of things happening. And as you know, I am only a part-time sound producer. So I did the best I could. Uh, But it's a lot of fun. We had a great conversation. We started out talking about quotes and it just went off the rails in all different directions. But definitely some good, good stuff in there. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Wade. Yes. Hi, I'm Sam. That's, that's, man, I feel like I really know you, both of you right now. What, what do you want to know? I, I don't know. I- anything interesting. Give me an, one interesting thing about you. Oh, Jesus. Why do you got to put me on the spot? This never goes well. It's because it's from, an interview. What it's did you think was going to, to happen? Uh, <laughs> uh, one interesting thing about myself. He's a video game nerd and like just a nerd in general. Yeah, okay, yeah, Wade, big nerd. nerd. Tracking. General nerd, yep. All right. I'm Sam, and I like tacos. Sam likes tacos. Hey, I'm Nicholas. Um, really excited for this opportunity. In fact, on a daily basis, so I'm listening to podcasts, but I can't wait. To, like, my life goal is to be on the Meat Eater podcast, and so I feel like this is a great stepping stone. So oftentimes, I'm, when I'm driving in, in my car, I just, I'm like, what would I do if I was on a podcast? So when you approach me, I'm like, yeah, like, what else would I do but do this? So... All right. Uh, yeah, so we should be having an interesting show today. Do you remember the time he said he uh, has trouble talking in front of people? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, he had that written on his phone. I saw the whole thing. <laughs> Guys, it's it's on the radio. They're not going to see you, right? You understand? No no sight gags. I'm not, I'm not done. Uh, oh, like I said, I, I script out everything, so please don't interrupt and don't sidetrack. Hello, everybody. <laughs> All right. This is going to be like a two-hour-long show. That's what's going to happen. All right. So the reason I've gathered you all here is because you are a panel of experts, uh, <laughs> greatly skilled in the orator arts, and, <laughs> and that is definitely not appropriate, so we're not going to say that one. greatly skilled in memes. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, there we go. that is the quote uh, generation, or quotes of our generation are memes, right? So uh, that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to do quotes today. We're going to go around the circle, and we're going to do first quotes we despise, dislike, or otherwise loathe, and uh, and a little description as to why it bothers you so. Um, and then uh, after that, we'll move on to a little more positive talk, and we'll do some quotes that maybe actually inspire us or make us happy, and then we'll just do a weird honorable mention afterwards where it, it just gets weird. And uh, with this group, I have no doubt they're probably going to have a lot of editing to do afterwards. So. <laughs> We're going to make this so hard for you. All right. No, you just so, got to put it out there. All, so, so yep. all no edits. I agree. You know, we'll see what happens. Pro- that's probably not going to be. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. All right. Yeah, I apologize so much. All right. Does anybody want to start? All right, here, I'll go. Okay. Uh, cannot stand this quote. If you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Ooh. Oh, that's a good it, one. Yeah. It drives me insane. Yeah, I did. I that one kept coming up. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, oh. it just gives people a reason to act not nice, right? And and then they can hide behind it, and it uh, it just escalates me straight to physical violence. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we're we're jumping a few steps, but you know, <laughs> no, I agree. I that, that one drives me up the wall too. It's, it's like. 
It's just giving yourself an excuse to be a jerk to people. Yep. Like, no. But it's a good indicator about someone's character, so... Right? Well, and here's the other thing. Who really likes somebody who's at their worst? Like, at what point in time are you walking around going, well, oh, well, you know what? That's, that's what know, I want to see. But you know the interesting thing is the... So because of this, the more I thought about it, like, I've just generally never liked that, but I've never put much thought into it. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, like, uh, I love Amanda when, you know, like, when she's just, like, not happy or in a bad mood. So, like, I kind of understand that because, like, like that, and not on that sense, it's like unconditional. But the people who like actually use that quote in that sense, because like Amanda would never say that, are not those kind of people. And <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's and we're we're assuming Amanda is your wife. Yes, yeah, sorry, Amanda's so my wife. Nobody yep. nobody knows you other than your Wade and you're a super nerd. I'm so, sorry. I mean, not just that, but people. I think it inherently people want to be good. You know, at some point, and so we want to change to be good as people. And so when people use that quote, it's why are you trying to be your worst? You know, change yourself. Yeah, because people want to be good, but they're inherently lazy as well, and so that gives them a reason to be lazy. Because like on that same on that same line, like when people say, "Oh, people don't like me because I'm blunt," or "People don't like me because I'm honest," like no, you're just rude and you don't know how to to be tactful. Yeah, you know, so it's just you're just lazy. That's it. I agree. That, man, we're off to a great start. <laughs> You're welcome. All the negativity <laughs> flying around. It's amazing. That's it's right. what we live it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's on deck? Uh, Daniel. I've got a, I got a couple. Um, one that I don't really like is uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. If I bring something up to talk to you now, don't. What bridge? Like, where are yeah. we going? Why, why are we crossing it later? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm yeah, trying I'm to cross driving it you now. over it at, let's, in this current let's, let's go ahead and get across that bad boy. Yeah, like, no, yeah, I agree. Don't put it off like that. Like, if we've already, you know, took a moment to kind of think about things, like, we gotta cross it. Oh, that's, that's for sure point. the cop-out answer. That's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm supposed to say right now, so I'm gonna dodge this completely and say, oh, yeah, we'll just cross <laughs> that when we get there. Or, like, you know, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. That's another one that, like, right along the same... Why are you burning bridges? This is an idiotic thing to do. And and why would you burn it when you got there? Like, you got to get across it. And most of the time, though, when people say that you can't cross that bridge because the bridge does not exist yet. But you have to have that rapport built to cross that bridge. Did you just use a quote to rationalize another quote? I feel like you just said you have to build the bridge. Are you surprised? Oh, oh. That's amazing. No, no, that quote was just for me. Oh, that I'm just came out of that. Oh my god! Wow, that's what just happened. Yeah, yeah. Were you level the third, now, level? third level? So as time slowed down, it probably yeah. has for the listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, point. So that's exciting. <laughs> what if they're listening to it on a slower speed? Ooh. Well, no, because I read by Tim Ferriss, you're supposed to do everything at like a one and a quarter speed. Yeah, right? yeah, especially so like learn fast. Yeah, especially like Joe Rogan's podcast here because they're four hours. It's, yeah, nobody's got time for four hours. Come on, who doesn't watch the highlights of that on YouTube after the fact? <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe Rogan, if you're listening. Greatest podcast in history. Yeah, by far. Like I said, worth millions. I've I've got nothing to say. (laughs) Good one, good one. Kept the negativity going. I like it. All right, Um, I'll go next since we're just going to circle. Um, My my least favorite is kind of a combination. It is uh, live every day like your last, or YOLO for the for the younger generation. You only live once. That is the worst advice you could ever give to anybody like you would never get anything done you would never progress anywhere you would probably die like because you're living every day like you're going to die it's idiotic it is much like the 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 cop-out answers that we've already it just it gives you the freedom to not do 
what you should be doing. And it drives me bananas. Oh, oh, oh. Go, uh, go, go ahead. First. Ca- counterpoint, uh, though. Counterpoint. But it, it does kind of, like, bring up the point, like, like, maybe, like, don't be scared. Or, like... But then use something like Carpe Diem to seize the day. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Or, okay. I yeah. agree. So, I feel the same way. Um, I think people use it as a cop-out, and I think it's lost its meaning. So, I think it would probably fall better in the next category as a, a misunderstood one, because, like, Marcus Aurelius, in all things, remember death, right? Um, so, it's like, hey, like, you don't know when you're going to go, so be prepared at, at every moment, and be your best at every moment. Mentamori or something like that. In our times now, though, yeah, it's it's, it's it, well, that's and, and uh, that's why it bothers me is because it's been so like perverted and twisted from a understanding of of life and being and valuing yeah, you know true. your yeah. experiences to YOLO. I'm gonna get hammered and yeah. you know. Well, words words hold a meaning, right? They have weight to them. So then, when you put different weight in a sentence into something like YOLO. Where you only live once, it, it does it. Compl- it creates a whole new meaning than what he was trying to say. Yeah, exactly. And so, so because people nowadays will take it and say, "Oh, like let me go act out. Let me be completely irrational or do something dumb." When in fact, the purpose of the quote is, "Hey, when are you going to start being the best you?" Yeah. So um, it's com- yeah, it's been taken one eighty, and so I agree with your statement. I, I just think it was yeah back. At one time, or real Stoics would be like, hey, no, that's a proper quote. Yeah, I agree. Good. Thank you for your counterpoints. They were well thought out, which is shocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're best, you, you don't deserve me at my best. Oh. You can't me at my worst. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. Just throwing them back in everybody's face at this point. All right. Um, the next round, here we go. Yeah, so, okay. I probably have a lot of least favorite quotes, but usually when I hear them, I'm just then I just kind of shake my head and uh, you know, like, why would you ever say it? Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Uh, just looking at the amount of emotional baggage people have That's because they loved and lost <laughs> and were completely just like destroyed from it. It's like you know what? Maybe it's not so great to love and lose and go. Th- so people say, oh, yeah, but you grow from the pain. Like, no, most of the time the human mind cannot uh, heal from a lot of that. And then when you are presented with that situation again, you don't act as you should or would because you are you are too familiar with the pain. It's not like, um, forget the reference because I've never uh, given birth, but they say after a lady gives birth, she forgets the pain so that she can, you know, she won't, otherwise, like, we wouldn't be able to, to procreate as, uh, or populate the earth, right? So, it's not like that at all. You don't forget that. It's always there, and it's... Not yeah. just that. Scientifically, that they've even proven that when you go through heartbreak, it actually puts strain on the heart. Yeah. It's a, so, yeah, really, yeah it, it creates tears. And so, that doesn't just go away. It's really you physically feel physiological yeah. effect. I, I think it's probably just a way for people to try to rationalize their experiences and they're just trying to put a positive spin on something. I mean, it's just like, you know, when, when you have people that like lose a limb, you know, it's not coming back. You, you, you have to deal with it for the rest of your life. So you have to try to figure out a way to put a spin on it. Uh, and I would imagine it'd be the same thing, but yeah, I agree. I'd rather just love once and, and just call it a day, you know, than, like, I mean, that, that's definitely the preferred option. I would think <laughs> yeah. I suppose. now I've been broken up with about a thousand times. Um, I also think Sing that, song about it. Yeah, there's a few, 
Yeah. Oh. Is there a dog around here? <laughs> if it did, it got run over. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I totally But yeah, I, I just think it's a way for people to try to, to to put a spin on something that they don't really have control over. I just don't think it should be said to somebody who just went through. Oh God, absolutely. Like, that's not. the People's worst thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like when someone dies and they're like, "I'm so sorry for your loss," but they're in a better place. If they're in a better place, then why aren't we all just? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why, why are we all sad right now? I'm a very logical person, so please don't don't say these things. Right yeah. Like the, there's th- there's times when things you should not say, and that's I feel like one of them. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, if somebody's just like had their heart broken, yeah, it's better to have loved it. That's when you get punched in the mouth right there. That's like the next reaction. Wham! Out. Oh. oh yeah. How culturally appropriate are we supposed to be in this one? It's my other least favorite quote. No dodig points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think things are not looking good for you. <laughs> maybe, maybe hold that one. Just <laughs> you make Sam nervous. That makes me nervous. <laughs> That's all right. I've, I've always wanted to see what jail was like, so it should be it's, fine. Oh, I can show you. We can show you. Yeah, I have no doubt. That's what makes me well, nervous. That's you guys are a little too comfortable with this right crowd. I guess the really the only time you want to be thrown in jail though is. Um, like the Nordic countries. Yeah. I don't want to oh yeah, that's where it's like more I like an apartment. Thrown into anywhere. Mm. I've experienced. But you land on your double bed though in Nordic jail. <laughs> the Nordic is the way to go. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And here's the best part though. Like, yeah, all of our experiences in jail are probably different. Like Wade has probably a ton of not great jokes. <laughs> Mine are more mostly just third world countries where the, every time they walk by, it's we're gonna kill you. We're gonna kill you. That's comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Good talk. <laughs> Not that dog. Today's the day. <laughs> All right. Some so, country. Uh, let's turn that frown upside down. Um, let's go with uh, with good quotes now. So All right. We can get, get, get deep and positive on this. Oh, we're going with good ones? Oh, we're going with good? All right. So, I'll go. <clears throat> One that I really, that I always uh, enjoy and uh, I kind of model a lot of, like, what I do, like, professionally after is... Uh, uh, walk softly, we carry a big stick. Um, Teddy Roosevelt. Yep. Uh, but I always look at it as as uh, just be prepared. Like never, never be the center of attention, but always have a plan. Always know what you're going to do, and uh, always be ready for anything to come come through the door. Yeah, I, and I would say that the the first part of that quote is probably the most. I would say lost or, or not utilized part of it. I mean, I think everybody, everybody, at least in our timeline, like, you know, tough guys aren't quiet anymore. Like it used to be like you were a tough guy. You didn't talk. You stood in the back, you had your arms crossed and you took care of business if you had to. Uh, but, but now like, that's just, that's, that's not who we celebrate, you know, in our movies and our TV shows. John Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Talk low, talk slow. And don't say too much. I have not mastered that quite yet, so I'm still working on it. Yeah, like I said, yeah, you get me talking, and then I just start talking. Then I'm like, oh, we know. Oh, and the, the, but what usually happens is that the next day, it was funny because um, I didn't realize there was like a term for it until recently, but I have that social hangover. Yeah. And it, like the next day, I, I don't want to see anybody because I'm like, I talked way too much yesterday, or you know, like, or I don't usually get personal and share like personal things, and so then like afterward I'm like 
oh, I said way too much. Yeah. And I'm, but I guess it goes back to, well, why would I, why would I be concerned about saying too much? But it's the lack of trust in other people. And I'm like, oh, they'll use it against me or something. Well, so, I mean, but, I, it's emotionally taxing. I mean, like, honestly, you get it. So, like, I, I transitioned into a job a couple of years ago where I'm much more on business administration and, like, development. So, like, most of my job is meeting people randomly, like, that I don't know, that I have That's to try terrible. to form relationships with, mm-hmm. and and it's exhausting. And, and honestly, and, like, after that, I'm like, I want to sit in my office for three days and not speak to anybody because you just it's so hard to try to develop, like, to just people you don't know and, and you may have zero in common with, but you're trying to find these things oh, to work out, you know? 100%. Um, and, well, on that same note, like, um, in my career, Bill, it's often the same thing. And I'm, so I'm very introverted. It doesn't mean I can't interact with people. It just means I have to recharge. Like I can be around a small group of people that I can recharge with, but being around large groups of people are physically taxing on you. And so, um, but just like you said, you have to interact with people. You may not want to, you know, you may have to put on a different persona or you may have to, you, you need to get them talking. You need to get to your, your end goal. And that's taxing. And I, Oftentimes, like, like if I'm not able to recharge, then I find myself um, being more on edge. Like, like I have to catch myself, or I'll snap, or I do snap. You know, just like say just mean things, or, or just like I need to step away. Um, I was in a school once, and it was like a long school. The school itself was stressful, but it wasn't overly stressful. But the the part that I had to learn to deal with was human interaction for like. 24 hours a day with limited time to to rest and it was it was just exhausting yeah. and so yeah people are like oh how was it I'm like oh it was like it was stressful and tiring but I'm not gonna I can't explain how it right. was because like yeah if you're an extrovert like yeah, it'll right, be yeah. com- a completely different experience for sure you'll love it so. yeah so who who would you say epitomizes that quote for you as far as like who's the first person you think of when it, when you, like that pops in your head uh, see, I hate these because you go first person, and my brain just start. It's like an index, like a like a old school index, just sure. whipping by. Uh, just nail, throw them out. All right, Colonel Hanauer. Okay, like yeah, oh, he's yeah. the epitome of that. So who is sure. Colonel Hanauer? Uh, so he's our boss. Um, have you met him? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Uh, anyway, I, uh, so he's I have. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, All I, the people I, who I don't know, know where, who you are. Where you've been. He's been gone. I don't know what you've seen. And then I've been gone for three days and I came back in the whole place. Explain to my mom who Colonel Hannah is. So he's our boss. um, And he's probably one of, like, the best commanders I've ever had in the two short months he's been here. Like, the best commander I've ever had the pleasure of working with. I mean, obviously, other than when I was your troop commander. Oh, that was great. That's That that notwithstanding. Ma'am, we're sorry for the things that happened (laughs) while we were there. Uh, Uh, The stress that we put him under. Yeah, mostly the gray hairs that we gave him. Absolutely there. I can count 13 from sitting right here. All of (laughs) y'all. Horrible. We we did that. So, Um, I'm sorry. Carry on. No, he's the the epitome of that. He, He never boastful, never never bragging, but in any situation... He just jumps right in it and gets after it, and he just surprises you every time you come. He's out of funny that. too. Yeah, yeah, he's really funny. Like I've, I've sat beside him in several movies. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he's so wise. Like he, yes. he picks up on everything. He sees everything. He sees the big picture, and he and he sees the small details. Yeah. Like it's it's insane. He, yeah, he captures. He embodies a lot of characteristics. Um, yeah. So because I've, I've had like I like I like to be relaxed. Right. Um, we have plenty of stressful moments in our job. So when I can be relaxed, I like to be relaxed. And I don't necessarily agree with a lot of things that are common in the military or 
career fields. Like, like if you're just sitting behind a computer typing, like, why not be in flip flops? Why why not be comfortable? There's no reason to be uncomfortable when you're doing that. I've had instances in the past though where, um, so, like some leadership doesn't like the type of shoes that I'm wearing, and they approach it, and I'm just like, uh, the way you approach that, like, well, okay, like I will I will debate this with you. Here we go. But then I bring up something to uh, Colonel Hanauer, and he's like his comment was, you could not ask for a better comment it's uh, or a better response because he's like hey don't let the man tell you who you are you are a closed-toed professional and I'm just like you you could not have dressed that better yes sir you want me in a suit in this 100 degree weather and 90% humidity I will wear that suit just because like like the way he approaches everything um, just nothing but complete respect for the guy like, he, yeah good deal yeah. well that Excellently positive as well. Yeah, I'm feeling motivated. Let's keep it going. You ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, how how familiar are you guys with the Fibonacci sequence, the Great. golden ratio? I'm an engineer, so <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> it's tattooed on my. Yeah. I've seen I've seen the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, Guy Murchie, he had a quote that says the Fibonacci sequence turns out to be the key to understanding how nature designs and is part of the same ubiquitous music of the spheres that builds harmony into atoms, molecules, crystals, shells, suns, and galaxies, and makes the universe sing. Wow. There's a lot of big words now. Yeah. yeah. So you, the biggest you thing... You used ubiquitous. <laughs> that was spectacular. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have to oh, we're gonna go so, back a little so, bit. Yeah, so this podcast is able to run for 45 minutes to four hours? <laughs> Yeah, if we go over two hours, I have to pay extra. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll cover that. Okay, we have fun. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. So, what, what does that mean to you? Why, why, is that, why is that significant? Uh, mostly because we're all connected. It, it, it literally connects every living thing, just the universe in general, from galaxies to simply a sunflower to human DNA, the skeleton. Like, it... Everything is absolutely connected, and um, my best friend in the whole world, his name is Robert Arthur, he, also in the military, um, him and I did this thing when we were stationed in England where we picked out tattoos for each other, and we couldn't see what it was oh, man. until after. A TV show that. I don't know yeah. if, if I would trust my wife to pick out a tattoo for me without yeah. seeing it. That's so, tough. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, babe. Of course I would. Pick it out. <laughs> <laughs> but so we we did that and we got to choose placement and everything and choose what it was and we couldn't see it until it was done and for him i had done the golden ratio um i placed it on his the inner of his left forearm and it was the golden ratio it, that had space time uh the planets and everything and um it was to let him know that no matter where we get stationed if we don't talk for a while it's fine because we're always connected and so it's being able to have that connection with people because, like Nicholas said, you know, it is difficult to be an extrovert. Like, I'm, I'm not super extroverted either, and it, it is exhausting. And to find that person that helps you recharge like that, where you can be yourself, like, unapologetically yourself, and they also are a good enough friend to tell you when you're messing up, that kind of connection is rare. And I feel like it's that's the kind of connection that, like, the universe has. That's... Wow, that, that, that's awesome. Um, that reminds me of a, like, I periodically have these complete aha moments where you hear something and it's just like, that makes perfect sense. 100% understand it. I don't know why I didn't before. 
And I, it was some like random sci-fi movie TV show. I don't even remember what it was at this point. And I've seen it since, but I remember I was like about 14 or 15. And uh, it might have even been a comic book movie or something. But it was uh, nothing is ever destroyed or created. And, you know, and then I started, like, looking that up after the fact. You know, I mean, this was a little bit pre-Google. So we don't want to talk about that. I had to actually <laughs> look in a book. Um, but, uh, but, but no, it was one of those moments where it was like, whoa, that's real. Like, if so if nothing's ever destroyed or created, then we're all part of the same thing. Everything's part of the same thing. And we're all just kind of changing places all the time. And, uh, and it, it led me down that. I mean, I'd never heard that quote before. Uh, but it, like the way you put it with the connection and the universal connection with everything, that's I think that's fantastic. Uh, there, so there's a scientist and from the LDS perspective, a, an apostle, he made a, uh, a quote, religion in its perfect form is nothing but science in its perfect form. So cause I think a lot of people uh, miss that aspect. Like there are rules of the universe and everything is intertwined. There's, there's nothing, like, everything... Everything has to stem from something. Uh, creation cannot just manifest itself without the proper um, matter, right? Uh, and so, but that matter still follows the laws of nature. Like, God can't even get around that. He just understands it perfectly. So, uh, I think, it, I mean, it, it's, it just comes back down to that quote. It's like, hey, everything is connected. Um, and when you understand things like that, that I think it, uh, it ties us all together. I don't know. I was going somewhere else with it, but um, then like the a part of that as well, like with what you said, like um, so my family has a tradition. Anytime someone in our family dies, uh, we have two different sayings, and it's um, ironically at almost every single um, gathering we've had when someone's passed away in my family, there have always been butterflies around. So my mom would always say, especially when I was younger, um, you know when you see butterflies, that's, that's your grandma, that's your grandpa, like, they're with you. And then when it, at night, we also used to say, look up, find the brightest star, and that's where they are. And so it was like, it still brings in that connection of, we're, we're all still connected, no yeah. matter where we are, if we, if we pass on to another life, you know, whatever happens, whatever you believe in, um, it still brings us all together. I think that's a great way to look at yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, we, we all come from the stars, essentially, so, yeah, we go we back are, to it. We are all stardust. Yep. You had to make it weird, didn't you? Just to, like, no, that's no, that's, cross no, the corner. No, that's, no, that's definitely true. Like, uh, yeah, don't don't keep me going down. This I'm not saying the yeah. words he said weren't true. I'm saying the way it was said and was the overall and... mannerisms that everyone at home can't enjoy. But I'm sitting right next to him, so I got to appreciate it. So, uh, like growing up, um, I mean, I, obvious. Well, maybe it's not obvious to anybody listening because you probably don't think. But I abstain from like you know alcohol and drugs. Um, but what I would find would be like that would just create massive creativity in my mind is looking into the stars and the heaven and just like trying like my brain doesn't comprehend stuff like I'm not the smartest right but trying to to comprehend that there's no bound like there's there's no barriers there but then it goes um, like oh. Uh, oh yeah, so I go to this planetarium. I'll finish this up. I go, go to this planetarium, and that was like the quote over the door. Like we all come from Stardust. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true, right? Um, that's so cool. But 
the intermission I was going to get to, but have you guys noticed the stars here, though? Yeah. I have never seen stars twinkle Absolutely. like they do. Oh, yeah. That was like, amazing. It is. Blows my mind. Last night, the, I think the moon was the brightest I have ever it seen it. It was since crazy. We've been, since we've been here, I and thought, I've never seen it in my life. I thought they had messed up one of the lights. Bright. It's insane. Oh, it's crazy. I think the only other place I've seen stars like this, or the moon like this, was in Arizona. Like, that's the only other place. Yeah, I, I remember... Long time ago, in 2005, and back in Nam, <laughs> in Kuwait, <laughs> awaiting to go into Iraq. Uh, but I remember, like, so Kuwait is, I don't know, I'm assuming you guys have been to Kuwait. Uh, anyway, so, like, where Camp Earring is, it's like desert, like Aladdin desert, like just rolling dunes, like sea of dunes. And that was the only other place I've seen where the sky was so clear. That you it looked like a blanket, like it was amazing, and that's one thing I like to do is go out the airfield, um, you know, at night here and just yeah. oh, it's, it's gorgeous. There's no light pollution. Yeah, it's awesome. When we were in our pre-deployment training prior to coming out, we're on the range doing night firing, and uh, <laughs> I'm just looking up at so you're all just gazing the stars. away, loaded yeah. weapon in hand. Like, Absolutely, everyone's firing, <laughs> and I'm like, man, look at these stars. And the instructor's like, of course, of course, Nick would be the only one looking up at the sky. <laughs> Well, I took a I took a pair of uh, images home to to show Thomas uh, the stars that like it blew his six year old little mind like oh, yeah, right off of his shoulders. That's pretty cool. Uh, because I we we I used them one night for work, and then I happened to just like look up. I was like, man, you oh you see so much better. These I was like, I'm gonna take these home and show Thomas, uh, who's my son, uh, and uh, and he we sat outside for maybe two hours while he just like sat there and just used these images. Had to put new batteries in it like two or three times, <laughs> and it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and even it, providing that experience to grown people who have never, who, who, who never even thought of the capability, right? Um, I was in a country once and uh, not very advanced, and some events from the day, like this guy's riding in the vehicle with me, and he's just uh, like an emotional wreck. Like he's uh, crying, I'm just like, I. I can't, I can't deal with this, like, right now. I just handed him a pair of MPGs, and he looked out the window, and he's like, the boy's like, what do you, like, what is this? Like, just look through. Like, just put him up to your eyes. And I've never seen someone's demeanor change so quickly and so fast. He was just like, this, he's like, his words were, like, this is insane. I hold them here, I can't see anything. I hold them here, and I see everything. I'm like, yeah, guy. Like, but, like, he... I've never seen someone's demeanor change so quickly. That was cool. Uh, MBGs are night vision goggles for our non-military yeah, people. Sorry, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that is that is really cool. It, it still amazes me. One of my most favorite ones, I've, I've done a lot of training um, and teaching throughout my careers, both in engineering and in the military, and it's always been one of my most favorite things. Both my parents were teachers, so it's, it's very much innate in me. But one of my most favorite quotes is from Einstein. And he says, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And it drives me crazy when I'm in a class and I ask a question and they say, because I said so. Or, well, that's the way we do it. Or, that's what the book says. No, then then you don't know what you're talking about and you need to go back and research it because, it. I mean, and this is arguably one of the smartest people to ever live. And, and he's saying that if you can't explain it simply, then you don't understand it. And, and it makes such a great point because I have to sit in a lot of technical discussions on the engineering side of the house. And even on the officer side of the house, I'm going through like kernel school right now. And, uh, and it gets so, 
so ridiculous. Like the jargon and all of the references and everything. Everybody's trying to use these $5 words and, you know, just everything has got to be just bigger and better than everything else when it could be summed up relatively easily. And uh, it's just an effort in, to make yourself sound more intelligent than you actually are when you should be doing the opposite. And to, to convey, because what is speaking and what is teaching? You're trying to convey knowledge. You're trying to impress upon someone something so that they can understand it and they can utilize it. And it really bothers me when I am see teachers or work with other people who are training people. And it's obvious their goal is not to make me better. It's to make me think that they're better than me. They're showing off. Exactly. And, that, and that's why I like this quote so much. And it helps me a lot sometimes because I, I fall into that. I mean, I really do. And it's easy to do when you're in a job like we are in the military or, or in engineering. You use a lot of jargon because it's easier. You know, like an NBG. That anybody... We would assume everybody in the world knows what that is. At least half the people that are listening to this right now have never heard that before. Uh, but, you know, you tell them night vision goggles, they figure it out. Uh, you know, so it's easy to fall into that trap. Um, but, like, I always, it always kind of resonated with me because if this guy's saying it, who is, you know, tip of the top, you know, he's not, he's not a random person on the street. Like, he's arguably the smartest, and he's saying you need to make it simpler in order for people to understand it. Yeah. That always, I always thought that was a good one. On that same line, when someone says, uh, that's how it's always been done. Oh, yeah. Like, Wait, why are we yes. doing that? Well, that's how it's always been done. Like, um, ex- can you explain that? Yeah. And why haven't you fixed it? Because, right? It, sure, it may have been done like that when you saw this, but it's wrong. And we all know it's wrong. Just because it's been done like that doesn't make it yeah. the right way to do it. It just means that's the way you were doing it. When people talk like that, it's also, like, I always gauge, like, uh, like how important they think what they're doing is in that moment. And yeah. so... It's like if they're you're not really trying to impress it upon me, like how you know, like you're trying to like get the convey this knowledge to me, like in a you know timely fashion or an efficient fashion. It's like okay, like you're not as invested in this as I am either. Um, so and then you touched on another point though that um, I, I kind of so Winston Churchill, you know, like uh, he had he had one of the in our in our day and age had the largest working vocabulary in the English language, right? Uh, the, what the, the common English speaker knows like twenty thousand words, but only uses like what three, three or four thousand. So they may understand a little bit more. But he had like a functioning vocabulary of like twenty to thirty thousand words. Um, and learning languages and talking to people in their own language, it made me realize like how inadequate I was with the English language, like my my you know first language. And oftentimes then, you, so I could. You know, in German, everyone, you know, you always make, we always make fun of them because they just put an entire sentence together. And that's just one word. But then when you say it, it just, it means so much. It captures so much emotion and feeling in that one word. And so then I'll come back and when I'm speaking English to people, if um, it's like a really personal topic or, or I'm really trying to convey something, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I understand. Like, I don't have a word to describe this. And my brain will often switch to German, and I'll say the German word because to me it, it's there's more uh, feeling behind it. But then I realize, like, hey, like, I don't know English well enough to convey what I'm trying to say. And so then it goes back to so clear and concise. Um, so sometimes they are five dollar words, but they're not five dollar words. And the fact that I'm trying to be fancy is a five dollar word that hey, like this word has been forgotten in the English language, but it's it's saying exactly what I want. Like I don't need it. Um, 
two, two or three sentences to say this one word. We have this word that, that describes this. But then oftentimes you say it and you're like, that's lost on you. Let me, well, let me right. write that down. Well, and, and I think that's, that's really key. So like, you've got to know your audience and you've got to understand the intent of the discussion. Like when I'm describing a bridge to my six-year-old, I'm going to use very basic terms and very basic understandings, much like I would to describe a bridge to any of you. See what I did? It's my show. I can do whatever I want. Sir, the joke's on you. Your six-year-old is smarter than me. She's probably smarter than me, too, to be completely honest. But, you know, and then the discussion I have, like with other engineers, is going to be on a completely different level, even if we're talking about the same exact thing. If I were to explain physics of, of these beings to y'all, I would do it one way, and you would grasp it. If I was going to explain it to Chip Sarda, who's a carpenter, I would do it a different way, and he would grasp it. Uh, if I was going to explain it to you know an engineer like I am in the design world, I would say different words, and it would all be the same meaning. And at the end of the day, we'd all have a working understanding of the same requirement, because you, you have to talk to the level of your audience. Um, and, and that was... a kind of like you're saying is is you know the words they mean something they are applicable and we wouldn't have them if they weren't necessary um but you know me throwing out really high level physics terms to my daughter is probably it's going to miss the mark and it's going to defeat the purpose of trying to explain what i'm trying to explain know your audience well and with that i mean when you the people that do that seem kind of boastful and are using those big words when they're trying to teach and it usually it's pretty clear if your audience can't understand what you're saying you can see it on their faces people are confused they're looking around at other people uh usually you can visually see that and or if people are asking questions and if they're asking the same questions clearly you should probably change your teaching at that moment to make it more understandable so then you're looking at well is this person here to just try and impress and or are they like selflessly here to actually teach and so it's kind of looking at the root of why that person's there i like it all right i think uh i think we're ready for you boss um okay so super simple it has a backstory like everything that i do obviously um but the quote uh is simply just one problem at a time and the origin of it is probably one of the, I, I would say, dare say, one of the greatest stories. Um, this, it originated back in, uh, what, Desert One, Operation Equal Cloth. U.S. is sending in forces to free um, the embassy personnel that the Iranians had taken hostage. And as they're staged in this desert location, things go massively wrong. Airplanes start blowing up. Fires are everywhere. And there was this one uh, Delta operator who was, you know, just waiting for his go time. So he's in the back of a, he's in either a 141 or a 130, I can't remember, a cargo airplane that they were going to use to uh, infill into uh, Tehran. And the plane is on fire. And everybody is, like, running out and taking accountability. And they're like, hey, um, where is this guy? And they see him jump. Like, he wakes up, obviously. He's like, oh, is this help? Just kidding. No, he, he, he wakes up in this, in the fuselage of this burning aircraft, he immediately just jumps out in a full, uh, full free fall uh, dive, right? So pelvic down, arms up, smack into the desert floor. And everyone's just kind of like, what? 
and he you know, he gets up, dusts himself off, walks over. Hey guys, I'm fine. And they're like, "What happened?" He's like, "Oh, I thought we were in the air and we got shot down." And like, "Yeah, but you jumped out of the airplane then. If, if so, if that's the case, you jumped out of that airplane without a parachute." And so his thought is, "Hey, we're in the air. I'm out of here because this is a bad situation." So he jumps out and he says, "Hey, one problem at a time, man." <laughs> one, it's like. Figure out the next yeah, step on the like, way. And, and uh, it's after hearing that, I'm like, man. Like, he literally is like, I gotta get out of this situation, but I'm pretty sure I can find a solution as I'm plummeting to the earth. And it, it just shut, like, um, see, we, I mean, every day we write, you know, like, I have to accomplish all of this today. And we never get to that list because everything else comes in and your list just starts growing and growing. Then you have to reprioritize. But then when you just break it down and you have so much going on, work-wise you have so much going on personally you have so much going on and things just overbearing but you're like well how am i going to do this and oh hey one problem at a time oh that that has basically been our mantra since we got here um like literally every day and and there was a couple times where like it it broke me i'm not gonna lie to you like when when we were going through everything we were going through and it was just like literally requirements were coming in faster than i could write them down and not like you know, fix a toilet, like huge globally shifting problems that we had no resources or no, no direction to, to help with. And it was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, there's no way we're going to be able to do all this stuff. And, uh, and it, and it, we really did fall back on the, do the next thing, just do the next thing, whatever's next, just do the next thing. Just keep moving forward. That's all you can do. So I think that's a perfect segue into my backup quote which is, you have been assigned this mountain so others can see it can be moved. And so, because like, we watched you guys do that, and we watched you guys working tirelessly day in and day out. I mean, we got here, what, and uh, Chip and Hill, they, I don't think they slept for two or three weeks. Not like, probably. literally. Like, I remember, like, Hill was walking like just a zombie, and he's just like, there's so much. There's so much to do. So, like, we saw all of it, but then we are just like, at the same time, you know, we're just like, but man, like, look at them just putting their head down and working um because we have the capability of accomplishing it but it just comes down to hey take a step back collect your thoughts you know what you're doing you've been trained you're smart and so like yeah so the other people see that and they're like oh yeah like i think i'm stressed but things aren't so bad for me like i'm in an air-conditioned building Mm -hmm. things are okay right now yeah yeah no i I agree 100 i I think we built a lot of perspective yesterday at the school. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people yeah. earned, realized that maybe CE wasn't the job for them. Um, <laughs> so we went out and built the sunshade and uh, like outdoor classroom and a big fence around one of the local schools, which was amazing for us. Like nice, really great. Everybody got to participate, got <clears> to engage <throat> a lot of other units, um, and other people got to participate in the construction so they could you know help and help out the community. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, five hours in the Kenyan sun digging huh. post holes, it, I was ripped at the end of the day. I mean, it, it, granted, I don't, I'm don't. i not out there with Chip and, uh, and those other guys, all my guys every day, like like they are, they were fine. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'm out there a lot and it, it, it hit me real hard. So I can imagine a lot of those other folks, but I mean, you're right. It, and, it, and it does. And it, I would even argue that it, it helps you build on it as well. Because we're we were we're in that now, like we're in that mindset to where it's just all right. What other catastrophe? What else? What else you got? Like you know, throw it at us. We'll figure it out. You know, 
we'll put our head down and keep working. There's no other solution but to succeed, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, so yeah. let's find a way. We had a similar experience when we did the patrol day, so <laughs> I, it was a very, very stark realization um, uh, of the choices. What day is that? Oh, uh, I actually don't know. Oh, area, area security. Thank you. Sorry. Area security operations. There's yeah. way too many operations. Army platoon. Yes. Our amazing army guys, because you know what? It was a stark realization of the choices that I made coming into the military and why I chose the Air Force. Absolutely. <laughs> For very particular reasons and the jobs that I had. Like, I worked in maintenance prior, and I've, I've had some real, excuse my French, but shit storms uh, that I've gone through myself just in maintenance. But that was walking through that canyon sun. And for as long as we did, on the way back, we finally hit the last row of Hescones. We had like 300 meters to go, and I was tunneling. I could feel it, and I just stared at the dude's heels in front of me and started saying my ABCs. Yep. Because I was like, I just have to keep going until I get to the razor, and then we're good. Oh, yeah. No, I, I sing. So I know exactly what I did yesterday. Like, when I get locked in, and I so I, I was in the Army for five years before this as an engineering platoon leader. Wow. So that, that was me. I was guy walking around with oh all those gosh. guys and don't get me wrong i'm in the air force now so it's been a minute but but that's what we would do like when we because we'd go on rucks or we'd go on missions and you have to walk and like the objective's like six miles away you have to get there and you gotta take all your stuff with you and and i would do the same thing i would just like guys heels in front of me if if he was in front of me or whoever was in front of me and i would sing yep. in my head or i'd sing out loud sometimes just not very loud yeah. and uh yeah you just got to do something to lock it in but keep putting that foot in front of you yeah yeah, you, you learn a lot about yourself when you're on a 12-mile ruck march. Yep. Like, because oh, yes. you're going to find yourself completely alone at some point, and you're going to look around and be like, I could just lay down here, just, just end it all. <laughs> just, <laughs> I re- just, <laughs> just close my eyes. Just be done. I remember at one point, so we were, uh, uh, Sam and I and another uh, Army guy were doing our part, and we were going out, and he we stopped, and we we're kind of, he's like down on one knee, and he looks over at me, and he goes, are you guys good with crawling? And I look at Sam, and, the, and that's, that's a and hard we were, And we were already like we were already smoked, and it was uh, smoke just means tired. And uh, so I look at Sam, and the look on her face—that's probably one of the closest times I've been to seeing someone else about to maybe legitimately like and forcefully hurt another person. I look, never felt my eyes roll so far back in my head. I was just like, if that's what you want to do, man, yeah. Okay. So I look back and I just like... How, how do you feel about getting slapped in the face? That's, that's what I just, I'm at right now. I just shook my head. And and he and then he looked at Sam and saw the look on her face and, the, and he realized that we were pretty tired and he was like, got it. And so we walked around like, to get to where we wanted to go. But then coming back, we actually did have to like get down and crawl. And I, when it, as we were... Realizing it's about to happen, and well, you know we're full, uh, all of our gears on and stuff, and I just hear Sam in the back. <sighs> <laughs> because I have to like mentally be prepared. I was like, "This is about to suck. My legs are tired. Oh yeah, I want to take everything off right now and just lie in a pool of my own sweat at this point." And I was just like, "All right, cool. I'm just gonna crawl in. It's gonna be okay, and then we're gonna keep walking." Yep, yep. I made good life choices though. Oh yeah, but I mean, it, but it also speaks to the army, like. Those guys do They're so amazing. much more. Yeah, I, I can't. You manage your own expectations by your experiences, right? And like, they've done that before, so they know they can do it again. Yeah. You know, and and so once you've moved the proverbial mountain once, it it's just makes it makes it that much easier to, to get through it the second time. And if y'all went back out, it would be horrible. It wouldn't be fun. It's not fun for them. Yeah. But it'd be a little easier because you kind of knew what you're getting into. Right. Um, 
but it's the same thing with us. Like I, when we got here, I was convinced I was going to kill one of my people. Like not not me personally kill them, but like me work them so hard that they might actually die. I, like I was very concerned about that. We I had medics checking on them all the time. I I had them for shutdown hours a couple of times. Like it's not crazy hot here. It's deceptively hot. Yeah. It's kind of like it is in Florida where you can go a long time, but you really can hurt yourself. Like, I remember in, in, in Iraq and in Kuwait and stuff, it was so hot, like, you just wouldn't ever get tired because you wouldn't ever go hard enough to really get smoked. It would just be like, I'm on fire, so I'm going to go get in shade or I'm going to stop. But here, you can go hard, like, for a long time, and then all of a sudden, you're just ripped. And, uh, yeah, same thing. I was just, like, very, very concerned that I was going to have to... Uh, call somebody's parents and say, hey, I worked your child to death, literally. It's, it's funny you mention that because we've sat, well, I mean, we've sat over in our hoocher, like, been out and saw the, those guys working and, like, I've looked at uh, Nick or Sam several times and been like, man, this, like, they're getting after it today. Like, I I cannot, or when Com's out here running lines. Yeah, digging those all trenches Digging and stuff. trenches Ooh. and stuff. I'm just like, man, like, they have it rough. Yeah. Fishing and, the Wi-Fi at midnight. Well, and, and, and that just, and it sets your expectations, right? It sets how you, how you view the world. Like it really does. Uh, because now I know I can dig a trench a hundred meters. And even if I never have to do it again, you know, like that's what the, I thought it was great for the comm guys to be able to do that and gain that. Cause when they came out to our project, I didn't have to worry about them. Like I knew they could handle themselves cause they had already done it. Yeah. And, uh, and now they've proven that to themselves. So like now when you go to other things, like you use that as ammunition to say, you know what? I brought 12 miles. I can do a 5k. I just, I hope that there's a lot of people within the military that get a chance to deploy like this and to understand what that kind of hard work looks like, because we don't realize how good we have it when we go back to our home stations. We don't have to worry about these things. And so then when they're, they're hit with the simple things that usually they would complain about at home stations, then they can sit there and be like, oh, this is actually nothing compared to what I just had to do for six to eight months. For sure. I've got, yeah, back home it's going to be a lot different. So back home I'm the, the criminal chief. I run our criminal mission to have my debt and I uh, have uh, six probationary agents. And uh, it's it's going to be a lot different for them when I get home. So <laughs> uh, so start start working out, start prepping. Uh, the heater will be on at all times. <laughs> got it. There's nothing like a vision quest thing. <laughs> Uh, I've had the, so the privilege of, of working and being surrounded by a lot of like really great people, but in, and I think part of what I've learned from that is kind of rewiring my brain. So instead of being like, uh, "Oh yeah, we're going to do this patrol, or we're going to dig this ditch, or we're going to like," there's an end goal. Um, one of my buddies, Benny, I think he said it best. And he's just like, "Hey, dog brain, like yeah. like a dog can be tired and it sees that ball go and it'll chase it, right?" And so it's like, yeah, like, hey, like, this is your job. What else are you going to do? Like, we're in this spot. And, and he, he said it once when we were out. And, like, I was, you know, I was around these guys. And so I wasn't going to complain. Um, some Someone said something. And he just looked over. He's like, dog brain, man. Just dog brain. And you're like, oh, yeah. Like, there's no other option. Just keep going. And so, like, rewiring the brain like that, though, there's like, yeah, like, I'll know when I hit that obstacle that I cannot do because it'll probably just end up killing me because I'm just going to keep attacking and telling you. So, well, but then the best thing about obstacles, once you hit it, you don't rest. You know, you climb over that obstacle and you say, oh, look, there's the next obstacle and start planning for that one. Good stuff. Time. I like it. I like one it. Pro- and it full circle. One problem at a time. <laughs> Good job. Because 
Well, I'm probably causing more problems. You know, I was like, yeah, that's that's the way I roll. Oh, definitely. All right. Isn't that leadership role? Yes, for sure. We we strive to make it more difficult for everyone around us and associated with us in any way. Well, to ultimately teach us life lessons. I agree. I'm just trying to make y'all better people. Exactly. That's the way we I look appreciate at it. it. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. All right, you get one honorable mention. It can be whatever you want it to be, however you want it to be. It can be inspirational. It can be silly. It can be. Uh, Whatever you want, it can be appropriate. Okay, look at you. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. This one's easy. Uh, So I do not like um, green eggs and ham. Perhaps that's right. I do not like them, Sam. I am. Thank you. (laughs) It's going to take a second. (laughs) (laughs) This happens often. Um, Derailed. When people say it's always in the last place you look. Yeah, if it was in the first place you look, or or or, but but it also it also insinuates like it makes me look at people and go, well, do you keep looking after you find it though? Of course, it's in the last place you look. And then it just leads me down this rabbit hole of anger because it's like I don't understand why that just came out of your mouth. Like, are you possible? Are you are you thinking right now? Like, are you? Is your head? Are you okay? You're visibly <laughs> agitated, and oh, you're just God. like you're just re- reciting this. No one even actually said it, but you're so mad right it now. Just, it just—it's it, like one of those things. Like real quick way to just like just set me off, like, <laughs> because I'll stop immediately. Stop what I'm doing and turn to the other person and be like, "Let's talk about this." <laughs> like, Do you want to fight right now? Yeah. We're about to verbally fight right now. <laughs> And and usually usually when I am looking for something, it's because I've legitimately lost it. Uh, I have pretty good like uh, like my office in my house back home is is organized chaos, and so uh, no no no, it's not just back home. Oh it no, my here. office here is a nightmare. Um, but uh, it gives me such anxiety to look over <laughs> at your desk. I love it. Um, <laughs> I know it's hard to see like successful things happening. But, um, <laughs> That's another discussion for another day, buddy. But, like, in my office, I know where everything is. I could walk in there right now and have something in my mind that I want to find, and I could, I could, I can immediately find it. If my wife goes in there and cleans, I have no clue where oh, anything yeah, is that's, after that. That's, and that's my problem. And it, I put it right there, right? and it's going to stay there yep. until somebody else moves it. And so when I am actually, like, looking for something because I cannot find it, it's lost, and I'm already agitated because I don't like it when I forget things. And so someone says that, and I'm just like, this is, today's not your day. <laughs> so, so I, I have a I have a funny story about that, and I think this quote was actually stated to me, which further agitated me. So, uh, at my reserve unit back home, I was the squadron commander, and uh, since have been uh, fired and replaced, which is fantastic oh, yeah. for me. Um, oh, sorry. sorry, I changed mom. command. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, mom. Um, but uh, so right before I was changing command, I was. Uh, had to print something. You know, at the new printers, you have to put your ID card in yep. on the military printers and you punch in your code and then it'll print out whatever you had. So I took my uh, card out of the computer, walked over to the printer, put it in the printer, typed it in, was printing some stuff. People started talking to me, so I walked away and forgot it. Came back, grabbed my papers, started doing stuff. Didn't think anything about it. About five, ten minutes later, I come back and I was going to log on my computer. I was like, oop, forgot my card. So I walked back over to the printer and it's gone. And so I am freaking out because in that 10 minutes I had driven to uh, another building like cross base to drop the papers off. And I was like going through my mind how many places I could have dropped it out of my pocket or like left. I mean, like I I looked for it for a solid 30 or 45 minutes. Turns out 
my training NCO had gotten it for me and hidden it. And so somebody told me, and so I go, I go find her and she's super nice. She's a buddy of mine. So like it, it was, she was just messing with me, but I was really ticked off because I had to get an email out. Like it was a lot of things happened. I was really mad. And, uh, and somebody previously had said, it's the last place you look. And I'm like, of course I did the same thing. And, uh, so anyway, I go back and somebody told me that she had it. So I went over, I was like, look, I need it right now. I'm not playing anymore. I'm, I'm mad. And she was like, here you go. And just hand it to me. And so I go back in and I go to put it in the cat card reader uh, and it doesn't work. And I am losing my mind at this point because I have like five minutes to email the wing commander about something and I'm like freaking out. It's not working. I'm, I am screaming at people. I'm like, why is my computer not? I'm losing my mind. And, uh, and one of my airmen walks in. He's like, sir, can I see your card? And I was like, yes. So I take, throw it at him. He gets it. He takes the piece of tape off the little reader. <laughs> she had put a piece of scotch tape over the reader so it wasn't reading the thing in the computer. And I was so angry and yet so impressed by the level of trick that I had been played. I couldn't even really be. I was mad that I couldn't be mad because it was so funny at the end of the time. Oh, man. It was one of those where I just sat in my office for like 30 minutes afterwards because I didn't want to be that guy and like be a bad sport. But I was irate. I was livid. And yeah, and then on to the icing on the cake was, it's always the last place you love. Really? I'm about to strike you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm still kind of mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, what's your honorable mention? Uh, so, I don't know how many of your listeners watch Letterkenny. Probably zero, because they're all from the South. So, maybe give a little synopsis of Letterkenny. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's a Canadian show, but, I mean, it, essentially, it's there's 5,000 people that live in Letterkenny, and it tells about their story. And I, I think it's I think the best way I've heard it described is, it's like, King of the Hill, but, like, a real show. It, a real show, That's yeah. That's a good yeah. way to describe it. It's, really it's very similar, it. like, like it's, like, situational humor. Yeah. It's it's very dialogue-driven. Really great um, one-liners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, there is one quote that the main character says that I really do agree with. If you should be anything, you should be efficient. And I really like that because I like at the end of the day I do love playing jokes like that, like what your NCO did. And yeah, stuff. thank you. Thank you. I, I could see I could see the wheels turning when when I was telling you that story. Oh yeah, I've done it to Nick over here a couple of times. Oh, so <laughs> I think the best one yet is when I had it on the dartboard. That was a good one. Um, but it's even in those moments, um, you can still be efficient even when you're joking and stuff because on some level. You were having a busy day. You were having a bad day, and she allowed you to slow down for a moment because you were so True. impressed by the trick. True, I, I really was. It was. It's was... <laughs> yeah. a good joke. He is upset. Oh, was so bad. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe in that moment, if you would have been able to log in your computer, you might have messed something up on that email to the wing commander. That's true. Uh, there's like a number of things that could have gone sideways. I feel like you're defending the Joker a little bit too much <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, set up. It's because I'm a joke for myself. Yeah. So it's Absolutely. Um, that's good. No, that's a, that's a good one. I thought you were going to go, you could have gone a lot of different ways when you said Letterkenny. I was very concerned about this not being a family-friendly episode. Oh, no, it's very fr- family-friendly. Uh, no, but I think, you know, if you should be anything, you should be efficient. And it's, I just agree with that, that, you know, you can make a lot of choices when faced with something. And the best one is to be efficient, you know? Like, yeah. Not to, don't do anything... It's just going to cause more issues, essentially. So, okay. We'll do 
an honorable mention because I think I would be remiss not um, explain that. Like, my dad's probably one of the wisest, kindest, gentlest guys in the entire world, but that's that's able to utterly just rip something apart if he needs to. You know, like, just the epitome, of, I think, of a man. Um, and one of the comments many years ago that he made to me, he's probably now 22 years ago, that's always stuck with me, um, it is simply, hey, like, when I started traveling a lot and stuff, he's like, hey, wherever you are, make it your home as quick as you can. He's um, like, you won't, like, you won't have to deal with any other issues, any other problems. It creates problems um, that I'm now finding because, like, hey, like, I'll get to a place and I'll make it my home. Then people back home are like, hey, like, you're so comfortable out there. You forgot about us. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, but I'm out here and this is what yeah. I'm doing. So there's no reason to be thinking about other things. Um, so I have to say that one, but I'm going to throw in a second one. Okay, of course. Uh, because <laughs> I, I think uh, it's all in the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, <laughs> um, page forty-seven. In this day and age, with all the uh, cancel culture and everything going on, um, it, like everybody wants to be outraged, but when you find like we when you look at it, it's like okay, well, why? Like what? Really, is this that's that's causing the, the outrage? So there's right, many many um, theories, definitions, whatever. But I think uh, this one quote kind of brings it back to me. It's the, tra- the tranquility that comes when you stop caring about what they say or think or do, only what you do. So it's like it, it's the hardest thing to grasp is like um, what are people saying about me? How like you know, um, or how how are they perceiving this? But I think. Once you start realizing, like, hey, it doesn't matter. Like, you you cannot affect that. Like, you you be you. Um, but then, when you realize, hey, like, again, going going back to, uh, it's time to you know, the only thing holding you back is when you decide to be the better version of you, kind of a thing. But like, when you just realize, hey, like, I'm just gonna like I'm here to do my job, or I'm here to take care of this, or I'm here to be with the family, or whatever. Like, when you just stop caring what other people think then you can really find that tranquility. Um, and it's nearly impossible with with just how fast life goes. Um, and so it's just that constant constant struggle of being present in the moment and just experiencing it and uh, and enjoying the experiences you have. So That's something I struggle with a lot. Like, you, after working with me, you know that I'm a perfectionist on a lot of things that I try and do. Like the products that I create, uh, the way I go about trying to find things in that, like, because I'm always concerned, like, someone's going to see this, so how are they going to perceive it? How are, you know, are they going to see this as a good product? And so that's something that I struggle with all the time, especially being a perfectionist in that aspect. And so I have to remind myself of that kind of stuff all the time. Like, don't worry about what they're thinking. That's not your concern. Because like you said, it's, it's, you can't control that. Like, so stop trying to the things that you can't. So that's like really difficult. Are you, are you crying right now? No. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> For you just at home. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. no. That's that was great. Yeah. Um, I have a couple more that are not quite as eloquent. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, my dad's my my mom will probably be upset that I'm sharing one of my dad's quotes, but uh, <laughs> because it's one of my dad's quotes, uh, but. Uh, no, it's, it's a little crass, but it's not too bad. So, uh, 
I remember when I was learning to drive, and I learned to drive on a four-speed Toyota Tercel, <laughs> which had the worst clutch in the world, right? And I remember my dad telling me, he's like, boy, if you can drive this, you can drive anything. And so I remember I was I was driving, and I couldn't figure out which gear to go into, because I was kind of slowing down, coming into a stoplight, but it wasn't all the way there, and I didn't know what to do, and I, I had to keep going, but I was in the middle. And uh, I remember he said, boy poop or get off the pot and i totally it took me off guard i never heard it before and i looked over and i was like what does that even mean and he's like put it in gear or stop do something yeah and uh and and he says it a lot like that's kind of like one of his go-to things I love uh, it. poop or get off the pot and uh depending on the situation may may get a little more colorful but uh it's funny because honestly like i wouldn't say that's one of my my mantras or, or personal mottos, but decision making as a leader is infinitely more important than the level of decision that you make. Like you need to make a decision. Yes, That's your job. Well, yeah. That's your role on the team. And if you don't make a decision, get out of the way because you're what you're hurting the team. And and so it's funny because it's such a like silly kind of childish quote, but it, it is so infinitely true. Like you need to do something. You, you have to do something. You can't just stagger in the middle. Uh, it's always like that one because I really do like say it to myself. Whenever I feel myself just stalling out or analysis by, or paralysis by analysis kind of thing, I'm like, poop or get off the pot, son. You got to get moved. That's, uh, that's yeah. great. A lot of our, so a lot of our training, like our base level training, revolves around like just make a decision. Like, yeah. Because it, 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 it's so easy, like, you know, when things are happening incredibly quick and you're really you're way faster than you can even process but you have to make a choice like in that moment you have to like you have to act and i think that's perfect yeah we live by that and it's funny because it's i i I see it or hear it in a lot of other like much more educated talks or even much more professional um i I remember i was in a tactics uh seminar one time that was talking about like squad level tactics and it and uh, the guy talking was like a former Green Beret guy, you know, shoot him up, whatever, you know, been in a thousand missions. And uh, his thing was the wrong decision, the wrong action taken quickly is better than the right action taken too slowly. And uh, he's like, you can catch people off guard if you're moving, but if you're taking too long to try to figure everything out, you're putting yourself in more danger. He's like, even if you come up with a perfect solution, if it's too late, it doesn't matter. And, you know, so I always likened it back to who will forget off the pot. Absolutely. uh, Um, the other one I have is also by a, a great orator and uh, intellect himself, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. He, he's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, he's a he's a great great speaker, and uh, <laughs> he said everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Very true. And once you get punched in the mouth, you realize how quickly that that falls apart. Which, by the way, uh, that's something that our culture is lacking in. People are not hitting like they used to. <laughs> and I think that keeps people in order, though, you know? Like, it's true, though. People hide behind keyboards, being so mean to each other. It's like, remember those days you'd say something and you'd get punched for it? Well, that's why and then you're like, so great. Yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, lesson learned. So in Canada, you can still do that. <laughs> yes. Moving north. Yeah. No, I mean, well, and I, I would take it even a step further is, like, we've gotten to the place where, where comfort is such a virtue that we don't even put ourselves out there physically in any way. So, you know, yeah. like the like the labor we've been doing here, 
is so valuable. And like the stuff we did yesterday with all the folks who don't normally dig holes in the ground, like that's getting punched in the mouth. When you realize, hey, my hands are raw, my shoulders are wrecked, my legs hurt. Like this is what it feels like. That's that's when you know, kind of, okay, this is how it works. I also think that's probably why you see stuff like CrossFit or like some of those like more intense exercise regimes or people like that are big time runners. They're looking for that, you know, they're looking for that challenge. And, and, and I'll tell you what, the, that, the wall, I mean, which there is a biological effect. I'm not going to talk to me about that, but there, like when you hit the wall on a marathon, like you hit mile 20, it's real. And it, and it is a real test of, of who you are as a person. Uh, I've done it before in like some CrossFit workouts. I've done it in our ruck marches. I've done it during missions. But like even in my day job, or like when when we got here and we got this pile of work jump just dropped on our laps, right? Like we thought we were coming here for a super laid back, chill kind of thing, and boy did that change. And it was like you're gonna do this, and now you've been punched in the face. Figure it out. And uh, and I, I know you guys have been dealing with it too in the same way, but. I think it's very, very applicable to almost everything that we do. Well, I think I think just that general statement has been lost on a lot of people. Uh, I see it. I see it here um, with certain people that are here that like they've been punched in the mouth and they're not really sure what to do. But the the main reason why I came out of uh, medical and joined this job was because it was stepping out of my comfort zone. And one of the best shirts I ever had always told me like, if you're not uncomfortable, then like, what are you doing? Like you're not you're not progressing. You're not trying to figure things out. You're you're not learning. And so, like I I'm an I'm an introvert. And I don't like to talk to people. And I was like, okay, well, all three of you can't be introverts. All that. of y'all have been talking this whole we absolutely are, time. But uh, <laughs> I'm good at manipulating people, so <laughs> it it, uh, it works out. But like every day, it's like stepping out of my comfort zone to go figure these problems out. And at the end of the day, I'm super tired, but I enjoy it because. I'm like, like, today I did something better than what I did yesterday. One of my favorite things is DC TV shows. I'm not going to lie. Like, I love, like, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Super, like, all of them. Um, and Leonard Snart uh, from Legends of Tomorrow, he says this one thing in one of the episodes, and he says, there are only four rules you need to remember. Make the plan, execute the plan, expe- expect the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. And that is literally probably one of the best things I've ever heard. And I I try to apply that anytime we go into any investigation or go into anything that we do. It's just like, cool, I have a plan. This is going to go completely wrong. And just like you said, like you're until you get punched in the face. Yeah. So it's just throw away the plan because you can have that plan. But absolutely, you have to be flexible because it's not going to work out. Oh, for sure. Well, and and it's it's funny because I... Like, the Air Force has a quote, too, that's very similar. It's like, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. So they gotta, like, they got to fancy it up. Because Mike's... Do you have first contact with him? Huh? Yeah, first contact with him. Yeah. From, from the air. Shh, shh, shh. Don't you know? dig too deep into it. We have a Cyber attacks, all right? They're a thing. You're right. But you hear that all the time. But what, what kind of bothers me about it is... Some people take that as a freedom, like, not to plan and prepare. They absolutely And do. it's like... Just because things are going to go wrong doesn't mean everything's going to go wrong. Exactly. Like, if you have having no plan is is worse than not being able to to adapt. And like, if you walk into a situation with absolutely no idea what's going to happen, you are done. Like, you are done. It doesn't really matter. And I mean, yeah, we've all been there where you you get into a situation and all the variables change and all the assets change, and you have to completely redefine what's happening. 
but you are able to do that because you plan. And I think that's what people like miss is you still have to have a plan. And by having the plan and developing it, then that makes you capable of adjusting it and, and rolling with the punches. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you cannot go into any situation without being prepared and having rehearsed, even if it's a conversation, you know, like you can't pull out a tool from your toolbox if that tool is not there. Yeah. And so that, that the rehearsal, like the preparation for encountering anything um, is so necessary and it's often overlooked because that preparation takes so much time. People are not willing to invest that time in preparation. Oh yeah. So, and then oftentimes, you know, like, uh, so we have a, a unofficial like little statement that has been coming up is from, we look at it from our perspective, like, yep, we're going to be provided whatever piece of equipment or anything and no one knows how to use it or what to do with it. And the common thought that appears to be is, oh, well, they'll just agent it into existence. They'll just agent it. Like, it'll work. Yeah. It's like, we'll just figure it out. It's like, no, like, again, like, if we don't have the tool, then we can't use the tool yeah. when we need to have oh, it. Oh, I, I have a, I, I had a battalion commander who was huge on rehearsals. He, he would say, I want you to plan for five minutes and rehearse for 55 minutes. Like, that's, that's what I would rather you do. And, uh, I remember it really, it, it probably saved people's lives uh, because we, we did this one time right before one of our early missions when we were in Iraq. I was a platoon leader and um, we decided we were going to do a, a Kazavak rehearsal. So like we were going to practice with the Humvees. We just got the up-armored Humvees. We've been in country for a few months, but we just got the up-armored Humvees. Uh, so we're different vehicles. So we're getting used to them. And we had stretchers that were tied to the back. We already had them out. You know, we already had them in place. They were out on the back. So we said, okay, this guy gets hit. We got to put him on the stretcher, load him in the Humvee, get everybody going, get the medic in there with him and move out. Like that's the rehearsal. So we go. And so the guy's laying on the ground. We all jump out. We grab the stretcher. We roll him on the stretcher just like we practice. We get him up. Two people grab him. One person opens the door. Uh, I'm in the back. The, my driver's in the front. He slides him in. We get the thing in can't get it in the door won't open wide enough for us to angle this hard stretcher to get it in and so we're, we're just banging it banging it banging it it's still not working we can't figure out what's happening about five minutes go by we figure out that there's a retention strap on the door on the inside that will let it open all the way and the straps on there so that this big armor door doesn't slam around right but you can slide it off for this purpose so you slide it off and it opens a full 180 degrees so we figure that out okay cool moved it over and now we slam it in there. The other door is shut on the other side, and I'm in the back. So I just ram it in there as hard as I can. Boom! It hits the other side, and it's sticking out about a foot on our end. It is a foot too long to fit into the up-armored Humvee because the additional armor on either side makes the Humvee interior smaller. No idea. So we're trying to figure out how to take the handles off the, the stretcher. We're trying to figure out how to, like, how are we going to roll him off once he gets in there? That seems like a terrible idea. I mean, we spent a solid 30 minutes, like, at game speed. I did finger quotes like somebody can see me. We, we, we did this at, like, game speed, seriously, 30 minutes before we realized you can't do this. It physically will not fit. Um, and had we had that happen, I mean, and we had to recover people pretty regularly. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a daily occurrence, but it was probably monthly or at least, you know, at least monthly, probably weekly. Um, we, someone could have died. 
very easily, and or and it just puts us on the objective a lot longer because now we're we're taking time to get people in there. And so after that, we realized, man, the rehearsal was huge because we talked through it and it made perfect sense. Your mind can't go where your body hasn't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably one. Uh, it brings up a least favorite quote, and probably uh, I'll probably catch a lot of flack for this. Uh, but when it's very specific to to certain things, like in in the gunfighting community, when people say when things go bad or the adrenaline's flowing, you lose fine motor skills. That's completely false. Yeah, I've, I've never found that. Uh, because if you train, like you train your malfunctions, you train clearing your gun, you train manipulating your weapon. What that does is you will not lose those fine motor skills. But what it does is it allows your brain, you already know the motions. And so my brain can be processing something different while I'm just going through my motions. And you, you don't lose those fine motor skills because your body knows what it's doing. It's, it's not going to be like, oh, I forgot how to hit this button. But no, that's the only button that will release. So you're like, no, you're going to do it. But it's that, that rehearsal, that constant training. And so you can do that. And then while I'm doing that, I know I don't need to be thinking about this problem. I'm looking up, I'm looking out at, at you know the situation, and I'm, and I'm running through my assessment, and I'm triaging the battlefield. How am I going to do this? Where is he moving? What's going on right now? And I'm not focused on my actions. So, um, yeah, so when people tell me, like, oh, yeah, you lose fine motor skills, like, that's because you, you don't train. Yeah, that, that actually is one of the great quote I heard the first time I was at FCU, at Field Crap Uncertain when we were there. Um, they said, and it was perfect, I, I'd always thought this, but I'd never had the words for it, and it was, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall back to the level of your training. Absolutely. And I was like, that is 100% true. Like, because, like you said, it's, you don't, your hands, it's not that they don't work, it's that you didn't know what to do to begin with, and so you weren't already there. Like, if anything, I find myself, I have to slow myself down so that I'm at the right pace. Not so much that I like can't do what I'm doing. It's I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm going too fast, and I need to reel it back in. Yeah, because I'm too excited. But like, yeah, I, I would agree that that that's a good one. That's why we, when you're in school, even as kids, we put that concept to work every time. But that's why we do fire drills. That's why they did tornado drills, depending on where you live. We had hurricane drills in Florida. Like, there's all kinds of things. So they teach kids to do that because if the kid doesn't know that, hey, you're supposed to follow your class, go out the door, we're all going to meet out here. If you physically, your body doesn't know to go there, you can imagine it all day, but your body isn't going to know to do that. And so at that point, kids aren't going to trample each other. The teachers aren't going to trample each other. It's going to be a calm environment because they're going to know exactly where to go. Yeah. That also explains a lot of my irrational fears of thinking I'm going to spontaneously combust at some point <laughs> so I know how to stop, drop, and roll. Thinking I'm going to encounter quicksand far more frequently than I ever yeah, had I in my life. Yeah, I thought that was going to be a real problem. Like when I was a kid. And yeah, the biggest like I am still certain to this day that I am going to die by an orca or giant squid grabbing me and taking me to the depths of the ocean. That's that's definitely I, a possibility. Uh, I tried to explain to him last night that like the time that he would be alive for that entire encounter would be like in, like. No, incredibly they, small compared no, they, to no, the, they, the amount of minutes that he's no, lived so far. They, so like, <laughs> it's not a problem. But those are the only. Like, I don't understand. Statistically irrelevant. So right. in the presence, so those minutes are now eons. <laughs> like I don't understand why you're scared. Just, have you ever <laughs> imploded? I imagine it'll hurt. <laughs> but very briefly. <laughs> very brief. Man, we got off the rails quick in that one. <laughs> oh, I'll leave your listeners with this. Okay. Um, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. 
but I can't be a man. Well, you're an attack Apache helicopter. Well, that's not what they say. They say that you can identify however you want. So. I, yes, I identify as an attack Apache helicopter. Well done. Well done. I often identify as a taco, which makes things super awkward for me. Because <laughs> I love everybody tacos. Loves, especially in LA. LA. Oh, that's another le- another Letter Kenny quote. <laughs> yes. So Letter Kenny's on Hulu, by the way, if you want to check it out. It's it is it is they are not a sponsor. It's, it's, they are not a sponsor. And uh, it, if you don't like South Park style comedy, you're probably not going to enjoy the show. So just as a heads up, it, it is not safe for work or family. No, absolutely not. Would you? Do you have a sign off quote? You want to close it out with? Not really. I think we covered it, but I don't. I don't know. I think this is pretty good. This Life's is fun. Life's a garden. Now. Dig it. No. I mean, get Twitter. after it. Deeds, not words. Deeds, not words. Words mean things. Words mean things. I like it. Deeds, not words. Give a sign off quote. If you got a problem, figure it out. Figure it out. You know, a lot of my southern listeners aren't going to understand that that language at all. (laughs) Why are they talking so funny? (laughs) That's a good one. All right. Well, hey, thank y'all very much. This is super fun. Well, that does it for this installment. I hope y'all had a great time. I know I did recording it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you're interested, I have a couple of books that are available. I have actually three books now. So, uh, first book is Providence at Lita Christie, and it's uh, not sequel necessarily, but it's in the same kind of universe is uh, OIF Journal Henry Sissel. And then I also just released a book. It's a middle grade book, so like ages 8 to 13 or so, kind of the target audience um, is called Judges and Kings. And it's a lot of fun. I worked with an illustrator on that one, so I'm really proud of it. It just came out a couple weeks ago. So if you want to look those up, they're on Amazon. Or you can check me out on my website, josiethomasauthor.com. If you would not mind, I'd appreciate it if you went and gave me a, a review and, uh, and maybe shared this with a friend or shared this with somebody you think might interest, be interested in the show. If you have any ideas, please drop me a line. You can reach me at the website or... Uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and I will be happy to see what I can do. But until next time, take care. Bye. My love.